Christmas. We're going to have a little prayer. Uh, I'm going to pray for others just at this Christmas time. Let's do that before we read the scriptures. Lord, uh, uh, we're here. It's Christmas Eve. We thank you for it. We thank you for all of the amazing things that have been going on over the past three or four weeks. And we thank you for the expectation of this Christmas Eve, both in uh, material things and in spiritual things. Lord, we do rejoice in all of that. And yet we, we remember that there are so many, first of all, Lord, who do not have met much by way of material things. And we want to pray for them. We want to pray, Lord, that you'd be very close to them, that perhaps their needs might be supplied, whether it's at home here in the city or whether it's across the world, Lord, people have very real needs, material things uh, for improvement in their health, for relationships. Lord, we, we pray for all those things and we pray that your people might be the light uh, reflecting the Lord Jesus shining into their lives. Lord, we look across the nations and there are wars and rumors of wars. So many, Lord, we've forgotten most of the wars that are going on. And yet, Lord, we have one who is the Prince of Peace and we worship him today. We celebrate his birth. Lord, we know that the peace that is talked about there is the peace between men and God. And we pray that there may be more of the peace between men and God, that many more people might believe and that through their believing, uh, peace might come to some degree on earth. We pray, Lord, that we who are believers in the Lord Jesus would be peacemakers uh, and not merely peace lovers. So, Lord, we pray for all of the people that we know <clears throat> who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, who aren't in church today and won't be in church tomorrow and are never in church and they're never with the Bible and they're never praying and they're never singing Christmas carols or hymns. We pray for them, Lord. <clears throat> we visualize them in our mind's eye and we ask, O oh Lord, that sooner rather than later you might touch their lives Touch their lives by your word and by your spirit. Touch their lives, O oh Lord, and make them see the darkness of the world and the darkness which, which, which surrounds them and is in them if they do not know Jesus. And make them see Jesus dying on the cross, risen again, ascended to heaven, coming to them and beckoning them to his eternal life. Lord, we commit those people to you. We mention them quietly by name. And we pray, Lord, that perhaps we might be uh, the, the, the means whereby they may come to see Jesus and trust in him. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For the last time, I'm going to read Isaiah chapter 9 and verses 2 to 7. We will not be reading this uh, tomorrow morning. But for the last time, if you remember nothing about this Christmas, you may well remember Isaiah chapter 9 and those few verses. Verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. 
Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen. And that's what we're celebrating, the exercise of the zeal of the Lord Almighty. Um, over these Advent Sundays, we have been uh, looking at this passage uh, and following the chapter headings of this little book by Glenn uh, Scrivener, uh, which is based on Isaiah 9, 2 to 7. Uh, and this has given us a series of meditations uh, considering four kinds of Christmas, really uh, four kinds of response to the Christmas message, the Christmas gospel, four approaches to life in a dark world. Do remember, and it doesn't sound like the kind of thing that's supposed to come out of Christmas, do remember that uh, the Christmas story in the Bible, we said this on the very first Sunday, the Christmas story in the Bible is never separated from the idea of darkness. And we're not talking about no sunshine or no moonlight. We are talking about the darkness of the human heart from whence comes all manner of, of nasty things because of our sin. That's the darkness that Isaiah, that God was talking about through Isaiah. That's the darkness that the people were walking in. And we need to remember that. And you know, in many ways, while there are lovely bright things and the candles and the tree lights and all the rest of it, uh, if we go away from Christmas, remember that, remembering that this is set against a very dark spiritual hinterland, then we will have had benefit from God's word. We looked at the approaches that Glenn Scrivener almost comically sometimes uh, describes in his book. The Scrooge approach uh, concludes that darkness wins. Make yourself at home in it. Just suck it up, as they say. The shopper's response, they decide that darkness is coming, so just party on down, eat, drink, uh, uh, and be merry. Remember I said, some of these disaster movies you get where there's an asteroid or a comet or something very large and very hot heading towards planet Earth and it's going to bump into it. This is never going to happen, of course. But uh, bump into it and all is going to end. And what they end up doing more and more and more is the temperature goes up on planet Earth. Everybody just parties on down. It's that kind of idea. The Santa response, very difficult last week, is very different. The people who respond, uh, who we call the Santa people, uh, they, they actually do feel that there's more to life than the darkness, so much so that they block the darkness out altogether, and they believe in any myth that comes along. And very often that myth is some kind of image of God who, who keeps his distance from us, but occasionally 
supplies our needs, answers a few wishes that we have, like another gentleman that we know uh, at this time of the year. But all of this fades. I was just thinking this morning, and I was out with a dog, and I was walking around the streets, and all these gardens are full of all manner of bright things, and the windows of the houses, even in the morning as in daylight, are all lit up. In a week's time, it will all be gone. It'll all be over, and we'll be heading into January, and we'll feel a bit down on it. Christians don't believe any of that stuff that we mentioned over these other few weeks. We don't believe in fantasy. We don't believe in wish fulfillment. We don't believe in some vague light which we hope exists somewhere beyond the darkness of this world. You know the kind of thing, you've heard people say, well, I hope that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. You need to know you're going to heaven before you get that distance. No vague hopes like that. So this Christmas Eve, we are left finally, and I'm not going to take a long time on it. We're left with what Scrivener calls the stable response to the darkness which surrounds human life. We, of the stable response, We face reality. We are Christians. We don't live in cloud cuckoo land if we are Christians. We face reality. The Bible tells us, and we are convinced that the darkness is real, but we believe in the light that showed up in the darkness. That's what Isaiah is talking about there in chapter 9, the passage at verse 6. Unto us a child is born. This light we saw last week with the boys and girls, the baby's a boy, it's a person. Not an idea, not a fairy tale, a royal child born into the darkness of our world. And it says, oh, this child has a gift tag hanging from his toe. And it reads, from God to you, and the you is us. Here's the Christmas story, a line from it. Mary gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes, cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. This was, of course, Jesus, Isaiah's wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. God participates in human birth so that he could die. You want to get away from that. Someone said to me this morning, Christmas is not about the cradle, it's about the cross. It is. And this is amazing, amazing. And this is our traditional picture of the nativity. It's very warm, very cozy, very domestic, very ye olde Christmassy thing. But actually what happened there and what we figure in our nativity scenes is utterly revolutionary. This is God's solution to the darkness of our world. There are people, even at this very moment, in various parts of the the world, Middle East, wherever, and they are hooking about in the darkness, looking for the answers to the problems that the darkness of sin causes, and they're not getting there. They will get some kind of answers, but they won't last very long. And this is God's answer to the darkness of the world that you and I live in. The king of heaven becomes powerless. The light of the world descends into the darkness. The giver of life is born to die. 
We might react to all the sadness in the world in a million different ways. But remember this. This is God's answer. Christmas. A baby boy. The Son of God. The stable says that the darkness of our world is real, but the light has dawned, and it's shining right now in Christmas 2023. You know, at Christmas, the airports are crammed with people traveling home for Christmas. Sounds like a song I've heard. They pay a fortune. If they're not well advanced to have it booked last January, they pay a fortune for the flights at this time of the year to be with their families. Why do they do that? Because love pays a price. There is a cost to love, to be close to those loved. And that's what Jesus did. He bore the cost to come very near to us, to become our, our brother, our fellow human being in the flesh. He joined himself to our human family. He didn't just come for a visit. The stable, you can move that on now, guys, thanks. The stable is a commitment it's a commitment to us. The Christmas child cannot talk yet in the manger, but he speaks volumes. He is saying, I'm here now. I'm here now. I've come to take your burdens just as Isaiah promised 700 years ago. That's what it says to us. And it took him to a cross, took him to a God-forsaken death. And there he took our sin. And there he took our judgment. There he bore the cost, paid the price. Then he broke forth, as it were, burst out into resurrection life on Easter Sunday. And now he comes. It says up there coming. He comes. Now, I'm not talking about the second advent. He comes to each of us in this dark, shadowy valley of a life. We call it life on earth. And he says, I know your darkness. I know your darkness. Let me be your light. And the question for us on this Christmas Eve is, how will we respond? How will we respond? This is such a privilege to be invited to walk with Jesus. I'm hoping my daughter will forgive me for quoting something that has been stuck in my mind uh, for the last several years. Uh, when Rebecca was teaching in Edinburgh, <coughs> a P1 class, and I'm sure she'll tell me afterwards if I haven't got the facts right, but there you go. Uh, I remember her telling us about a little boy who, having heard the Christmas story for the very first time, came to her and said, Miss Maxwell, let me get this right. Back in the day, Jesus was the big deal and Santa was not. Now, Santa is the big deal and Jesus is out. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings. That's the kind of darkness into which we have descended. Jesus is out. We need to be very careful 
We need to be faithful believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to believe in him in the first place. So the answer, the question is, following this little series for Advent um, from Isaiah chapter 9, which kind of Christmas are you and I? Which kind of response are we to the Christmas gospel? Are we the Scrooge who says, darkness wins, get used to it? Are we the shopper kind of person who says, darkness is coming, so party now? Or the Santa kind of person who says, forget the darkness, all is light and bright? Or are we the stable Christmas person who says, the darkness is real, but the light has come? It's called Jesus, the real person. Trust him. Bow before him. Worship him like the shepherds of old. Give your loyalty to him and go out into what's left of Christmas and next year and tell the world. Be like Jesus. Commit yourself, commit ourselves to those who walk in darkness all around us. As we were saying to the boys and girls, let the light Jesus, shine through us. The promise is there from John chapter 1. The promise is that the darkness hasn't a chance. The darkness will not overcome the light because the light is Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity uh, to worship together on Christmas Eve. Uh, we pray, Lord, that it will be a great Christmas, but all the more so because we have become the people of the stable response, believing in the light, Jesus. Not just the babe in the manger, but the crucified king on the cross. Lord, he's dead and he's risen and he's, he is exalted to, to the place of authority in heaven. Lord, give us grace, we pray, to follow him. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.